smart journalism. Fascinating topics. Words that describe CNN's podcast, The Assignment with Audie Cornish. We are revisiting the public school culture wars. What have we learned from the kids who fought against book bans? We really started the club to get students reading these books. Students have an opinion in this fight, too. How has the war over books sparked a backlash to the so-called parents' rights movement? It's not okay what they're doing, and they're being watched. Listen to The Assignment with Audie Cornish, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like, da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like, it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. This is The Look At. It is myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg, who did a terrific job of being able to fill in on the nightcap. So we've got some musical hosts here, but great to be with you for the next three hours. For those of you guys out there on the East Coast, a happy Thanksgiving to you. For those of you guys out where I am, lovely Las Vegas, a happy Thanksgiving in advance to you, as it will be Thanksgiving in two hours. Once we do wind up hitting Thursday, going to be taking a little bit more of a look at these three matchups that we've got for this Thanksgiving Thursday, but also got some college basketball to talk about. And right off the top, we've got a game that is set to tip off in college basketball. It's one of my favorite times of the college basketball season because you just have games all day long. It wound up starting at pretty much 8 a.m. Pacific time. And now 14 hours later, we get a tip off as you've got Fresno State and Santa Clara. We'll give you guys this handicap right now so that way you're able to place a bet and or get in very, very early when it comes to in-game. But Fresno State wound up starting out as a four and a half point underdog. We are seeing some heavy action right now coming in on Santa Clara as the Broncos. Anywhere between a six half, seeing some sevens pop as well. And I think that this is a correct move that we're seeing on this line because I want to personally making Santa Clara a pretty hefty favorite. I want to setting them as a seven point favorite. So this is right in line with what I want to setting. I've got the total at one forty three and a half. I do think that you're going to get some late game following, but out of all the teams that I've handicapped in college basketball, Santa Clara has had one of the biggest rises among all the teams on my board. I had to just by default, Maryland Eastern shore have, has been number one with regards to my rises because they didn't play college basketball last year. And when they did play college basketball two years ago, they were putrid and they knocked off Fordham. So just by default, they've had the biggest rise just in regards to rankings. But you take a look at the Santa Clara team. They've been dealing with a little bit of an illness to Joseph Varankic, but you've got a lot of guys, PJ Pipes and company, that have been able to do a good job in the backcourt. And Fresno State, no slouch as well. Fresno State is a team that I think is going to be in the middle of an improved Mountain West you have had some mixed performances out of Nevada who were able to get a good win on Wednesday, but certainly has been good to see just the middle of the Mountain West in general. Teams like New Mexico and company look a little bit better, but I do think that this is a game that Santa Clara should be able to win by a touchdown if you've still got a 6 half available to you. That's where I'd be looking on this one, but you certainly have missed the best of the line if you are looking to jump in on Santa Clara right now. And we've also got a game that is right now in the middle of the second half. It certainly is not involving a lot of points as of right now. As you've got Notre Dame and Texas A&M, a Texas A&M bunch that 
They are certainly embracing defense, not so much offense. And as of right now, you've got Notre Dame in the lead by a count of 49 to 39. About 12 minutes left in the second half of this one. Total wound up closing at between 129 and a half and 130. You wound up starting out at 132, and you wound up seeing Notre Dame open up a four-point favorite. And a lot of spots they wound up closing for out here in Vegas. You did wind up seeing a little bit of buying on Texas A&M as they wound up closing in a few spots, a three-and-a-half-point underdog. But right now, Notre Dame in full control. And it certainly has been fascinating to watch this Hiroshima as they were able to get it going against Chaminade. But I will caution you with this as well, Chaminade. A Division II school, and they're a Division II school for a reason, but I do like what I'm seeing on the Notre Dame team. I think that they might be a little bit of a bright spot in an ACC that right now is not looking so good. You'll find out a little bit later that my New York Post play is going to be myself fading a team out there in the ACC, but you take a look at the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in this one. They've won 12 of 18 and 3 to the line. They're only shooting 44% from the floor, 16 of 36 with 10 turnovers, but for Texas A&M, this is just an offensively challenged team. You've been able to get 10 points off the bench from a little bit of an unlikely source for this team because you typically think of like Henry Coleman the third and guys like that, but Hassan Diaria has been able to give you 10 points right now if you're Texas A&M, but if you're Texas A&M as well. I mean, this is absolutely remarkable. The starters in this game for Texas A&M, 0, 1, 2, 3, and 4 points. Thanks for showing up, guys, if you want to take the over in this game. as They're just not giving you anything whatsoever, though. I will say, after we wound up seeing a slog in the first half of 54 total points, 17-17 to 17 here, about 8 minutes through the second half. So, scoring has picked up a little bit. We've been seeing that quite a bit out in the Maui Invitational. And if you're just taking a look at college basketball in general, you are starting to see a few openers for tomorrow's games. I'm going to be keeping you guys up on that as well. Also, speaking of numbers we're going to be probably getting these circuit survivor numbers relatively soon as well because circuit survivor contest actually involves thanksgiving as its own week which i think is absolutely awesome so if we wind up seeing these numbers for these i will be passing those along as quickly as humanly possible as if you're taking a look at college basketball in general what we've all been seeing here on this wednesday it has been a lot of action just in general and You've been seeing a lot of just absolutely harebrained runs when it comes to college basketball, both to the good and the bad. How about if we get you caught up on one that we wound up seeing a few hours ago? Florida versus Ohio State. If you wound up taking the Ohio State University, boy, it was not necessarily a good finish. Just one winds up changing with about 10 minutes left because Kyle Young winds up picking up a foul, and then he picks up a nice big old technical and. Typically, whenever you see a guy pick up a tech, there are some people are like, oh, it's a good technical. This one's not a good technical fellas. Ohio State was in the lead. It looked like they were getting control of the game. He winds up getting that. Florida winds up being able to cut into the lead. And then we and then if you wind up taking Florida, you're eating good in the neighborhood. Because Tyree Appleby, 30 footer at the gun, 71 to 68. And it had implications on a little bit of everything because this is a total that winds up closing at 137 and a half. So if this game winds up going to overtime, it certainly was going to be going over that closing total. Now, you did wind up seeing a little bit of moving back and forth when it comes to the total as well. So obviously you may have had a little bit of a different number than that 137 and a half. Some of you guys might have been able to get a push. Some of you guys might have had a little bit of a more outright loss as this is a total that wound up opening up at 139 and a half. So it actually went down by two points. But for Florida, they opened up a one and a half point favorite. They wind up closing as a two and a half point favorite. Had that been a two instead of a three? You know what would have happened. It would have been somewhere in the middle because there would have been other people that had the two and a half points. They would have cashed. The folks that wound up having the one and a half on the open Florida still would have gotten there. So certainly is always fascinating. And I always say when it comes to handicapping college basketball, you want to be shopping around. There are some of you guys in various jurisdictions that you've got quite a few You've got quite a few options to be able to take a look at. There are other views that are just a little bit more limited, so that makes things a little bit more difficult, but always want to keep those as open as humanly possible. And there are times where you want to be taking a look at money line underdogs when it comes to college basketball as well, and they can creep up in a lot of these big games. I mean, we see it time and time again where you wind up seeing a top 25 team wind up getting knocked off, but there are a lot of these games in general that they just – are a little bit of smaller ones, especially when it comes to these tournaments. It's a wild, wild west. When you wind up getting some of these openers, you wind up seeing a lot of steam moves, but you're able to find some of these 
double-digit underdogs that wind up coming through, like a Long Beach State. This was one of the bigger this was one of the bigger upsets that you wound up seeing on this college basketball Wednesday. A right state team that just frankly has not looked good in general. I wound up picking them second in the Ryzen League. They are now a good hearty one and five after losing outright as between a 10 and 10 and a half point favorite to Long Beach State by a count of 85 to 76. If you're looking for big disappointments in college basketball right now, I hand you the entire Ryzen League. You've had Oakland actually look relatively good. Oakland was able to win once again today. They're looking like the class of this entire conference. Jamal Kane is very able. He's been able to give Oakland 22 points per game. But you take a look at this right safe bunch, a team that has been towards the top of the Ryzen League each of the last four years. They are clearly missing loud and love. This is a Long Beach State team that wound up getting just completely clobbered in their first two games of the tournament. And they came out and they gave a completely lackadaisical effort on defense and you'll find it time to time when it comes to these tournaments as well because you get a lot of these teams that they're either playing in three straight days or they're playing three games in four days, something like that. And it's really interesting when it comes to handicap of this because there are some situations in which you want to be taking the tired legs theory. These guys, they're playing just a whole bunch of games in general and you want to be shading down your turtles. And then there are other times where you wind up having Something like this, where it's a seventh place game in a eight team tournament in which it's like, who really wants to be playing defense when you're team when you're competing to be team number seven in an eight team tournament? So there is a lot of different ways that you want to be taking a look at these games. And then obviously when it comes to a neutral court situation as well, you're not going to have too much of an advantage when you wind up having games out there in Cancun, Mexico, the Bahamas. I mean, there's just no real home court advantage to be had. But going back to that Florida versus Ohio State game, a big reason why I wound up riding with Florida is because I pretty much awarded them a half a home court advantage. This was a game that was being played out there in the state of Florida. It was in Fort Myers, to be exact. So not overly far from Gainesville. I'm not necessarily the world's greatest when it comes to knowing the geography of the entire state of Florida, but I can tell you right now, the Florida Gators were a little bit closer to home than Ohio State. You figured that they would have a little bit of a contingency out there being able to root them on, so I wound up awarding pretty much half of what I would give Florida in a normal home game, and I do think that that's very important as well because we have been noticing, especially with underdogs at home, they've been doing very well in college basketball thus far, so that has been an angle that I've been trying to take a look at, and you just want to be taking a look in general at what you're going to be able to get when it comes to some of these line moves, and when it comes to this Santa Clara versus Fresno State game, we have seen a couple more sevens be able to pop up as well, so we do see quite a few big giant line moves, and when it comes to college basketball in general, do not be too alarmed if you wind up betting on a team and we'll just throw out there an arbitrary number. You wind up laying five points with insert your favorite team here. They come down to three. It doesn't necessarily mean that your bet is doomed because you just see it time and time again that there are so many steam moves. Why some of these come about, nobody has any idea. Sometimes it's due to injury information. Then you want to be probably reevaluating your numbers. But if it's not injury information, then it's one of these cases in which well, you just want to be trusting in your handicap, and I think that that's one of the most important things, and it is always important to be taking a look at openers when it comes to college basketball. We just wound up having some come on the board for circus, so I'm going to be giving you guys those next right here on The Look At with myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds... It was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. 
Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zigazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Zigazoo is moderated by real, live people who review content before it's posted on the feed. Oh, <laughs> I especially love the dance challenges. So much fun! Oh, and there's no comments or messaging, so you don't get any of that negativity that's all over other social networks. All my friends love it. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Uh, that's great, but I wouldn't be doing Zigazoo if it wasn't fun. She would not be doing it if I didn't think her data was safe. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids! <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome back to The Bookhead. This segment is brought to you by Zinn Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray, no more spit cups, and no more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zinn Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths. So that way you can easily find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zinn, America's number one nicotine pouch, is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's ever been easier to find your Zinn. So head over to Zinn slash find to be able to find a store nearest you. That is ZYN.com slash find. And warning, this is a product that contains nicotine and nicotine is an addictive chemical. We are back here on the look at it is myself, Greg Peterson, filling in for Scott Seidenberg. A little bit of a programming note here is that at at what is going to be 1.30 a.m. Eastern Time, I always get my Eastern Time and Pacific Time mixed up, and that is going to be Pacific Time, 10.30 p.m. We're going to have Adam Burke, does a terrific job over here with VEASAN, does a little bit of everything when it comes to point spread weekly. He fills in on quite a few shows around the network, always does a great job. He's going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look forward to the football action that we're going to be seeing both on Thanksgiving and just this weekend in general. We've got a whole bunch of it, so we're going to have Adam on to be able to talk a lot about that in the second hour as well. We're going to be looking at the guys that wind up getting paid to play basketball. Well, officially wind up getting paid in terms of contracts and everything like that to pay to play basketball as we're going to be looking at some of the NBA. But here right now, we wind up seeing these just come out via Circa. We've got some openers that are going to be going down for tomorrow's college basketball games because oftentimes when you wind up seeing these games, when it comes to these tournaments out there in the Bahamas, out there with just these insert your random location here, you're typically not going to find an overnight line. Circa pretty much wound up putting out the first of them. How about if we start with the battle for Atlantis? This is going to be 787, 788 on the betting board. You've got UConn and Michigan State. This is going to be a big one, and you're going to want to fire this in early because it is 9 a.m. Pacific time. For those of you guys helping to cook the Thanksgiving turkey, you're probably going to be up at this time. If you, like me, are a lazy butt and you don't cook Thanksgiving turkey, set your alarm for this one because it is UConn right now laying a point. Total on this game, 141.5. I think that this is a little bit too high of a total. You've got a UConn team that is very much defense-oriented now. I think that the game that we wound up seeing against Auburn today, that was a little bit of an outlier, but take a look at Michigan State as well. They wound up having a little bit of lackluster offensive effort against Loyola of Chicago. Now, Loyola of Chicago, as we know, very much a traditional defensive team. They're a little bit different this year, but I take a look at an under, and you got to be wondering how much that double overtime game that UConn wound up playing against Auburn is going to take out of them because this is a part of a back-to-back. They wound up playing earlier than Michigan State as well. So, I mean, that takes away a little bit of rest and relaxation as well. But I take a look at Michigan State. I do think that Max Christie is going to be able to step up after he wound up having just two points against Loyola Chicago. I like what I've seen out of Gabe Brown. Marcus Bingham 
has been a little bit of an enigma along with Joey Helzer, but it seems like their big men are starting to step up on defense as well, and that's going to be big because you've got one of the best rebounding teams in all of college basketball in UConn. So this is a spot in which I'd be right now on this line, taking a look at Michigan State on the money line and taking a look at an under as the bigger differential that I really have is on the total in this spot because I wound up setting this total a little bit closer to a 131 and a half, so I'm off by like 10 points. And when it comes to Michigan State, set them as a one point favorite. So I pretty much have a flip of favorites there. You've also got coming up from the battle from for Atlantis, Auburn and Loyola Chicago. Circa Wanna making this opener. Auburn laying a point. Total on this game, 143 and a half. I've got a small disagreement here. I wound up setting Auburn as a three-point favorite, so nothing too far off. I wound up setting the total at a 143, so this is one in which I'm going to be looking for a little bit of a line move because here at 143.5, I look to the under, but would like to be able to see if this winds up going up a little bit more or hey, maybe this winds up cratering a little bit. We see plenty of totals in college basketball that you see five-plus point moves on the line. It's not just like a half a point. It's not just one point. You see wholesale moves when it comes to these college basketball totals. But with Auburn, I do think that they're going to be a little bit gassed after they wound up playing that double overtime game. So sort of the UConn theory with this. But at the same time, when it comes to Auburn, I just think that they've got so much more size than Loyal Chicago that they're going to be able to take it to them. Now, Loyal Chicago, they're bringing a pair of smart guys. Chris Knight, Ryan Schwieger. Two years ago, they were playing out there in the Ivy League for Dartmouth and Princeton, respectively. And you still have Lucas Williamson, who it feels like is in his 25th year of college basketball. He's so old that he was on that Loyal Chicago Final Four team. You're going to find that due to the COVID-19 you're giving out that it's like, man, this guy is still in college basketball. But I do think that Auburn is going to be able to take it to him. You've got Jabari Young, who's, who Jabari Brown, who's been able to do a nice job down low for this Auburn team. He's been one of the top freshmen in all of college basketball. You've also had guys like a Zed Jasper be able to step up a really Wendell Green for East, from Eastern Kentucky. He's been able to chip in their 15 points per game, doing a very solid job of being able to help out this backcourt. So I'm going to be looking at Auburn up to three here. And with this total, I wound up setting it out of 143 personally. So we're, we're in the ballpark there. Now the real interesting one is the total in this Baylor versus VCU game. VCU for the first time all year against Syracuse earlier in the day, they were able to break 60 points. And that was their fifth game of the year. They were playing against St. Peter's, Chattanooga. They also wound up playing against Vanderbilt in that just but ugly 48 to 36 game. And they also wound up playing against Wagner as well. So, I mean, it's just not necessarily the world's greatest competition that they wound up going against. And you've got a Baylor team that we saw it against Arizona. Now, the total wound up just dying in that game against Arizona State, but they were really doing a great job of being able to pump in their threes. You got Baylor here at circa a 12 and a half point favorite and a total of 129 and a half. I wound up setting this total a little bit higher at 131 and a half. It's not necessarily that I think that VCU is going to be able to break 60 in this spot. I think that Baylor is going to be able to get to 70 plus. When it comes to VCU, they are playing some very tenacious defense, but just take a look at all these guys for Baylor. Matthew Meyer has been absolutely tremendous. The gentleman that has the mo that has the mullet. He's been able to give the team a double-figure amount of points. He's able to do a good job down low. And then you've got Jonathan Chamachachua, who I think is just going to eat the lunch of Levi Sockert. He's a guy that's able to give you eight and a half rebounds. Flo Thamba is a little bit of an energizer bunny. He just gives you a little bit of everything down low. And then when it comes to this Baylor team as well, Adam Flagler, good sharpshooter for the team. Meanwhile, for VCU, you've got no three-point shooting with this team. They bring in Marcus Siones from Washington, and he's given the team right around four to five points per game. He has not been good. VCU has been dealing with a whole bunch of ailments, which is why instead of the VCU team that is good at being able to generate seals and it's okay on offense, this is a VCU team that they sometimes give you seals and they give you absolutely nothing on offense. But I do think that Baylor is going to be able to do a lot of work on this total. I wound up saying them as a 15 and a half point favorite personally. So I'll be taking a look at laying it with Baylor. And if we wind up seeing the total continue to be at 130 or lower, I'm going to continue to take a look at the over. And then you've got 793, 794 out there in the battle for Atlantis. You've got a Syracuse versus Arizona State game in which it's the battle of teams that might be going to Dayton because, I mean, that has pretty much become the second residency for Arizona State. Either that or they wind up going to, well, no postseason tournament whatsoever as it turned out to be last year for Arizona State. But 
Circa wound up being Syracuse as a two-point favorite, and your total on this game is 146.5. I personally wound up making Arizona State the favorite. I mean, this is a Syracuse team that wound up giving up 100 points less than seven days ago to a toothpaste. Colgate, the Raiders of Colgate. They gave up 100 points on their home floor. Now, I mean, it's a Colgate team that has won the Patriot League each other the last few years. A very respectable Colgate team. You can't give up 100 points to Colgate on your home floor. I mean, that just cannot happen. And you've got a Syracuse team that you've got Bayheim cubed. Jim Bayheim, Jimmy Bayheim, and the Buddy Bayheim. The two Bayheims that actually play out there on the court. They're averaging right around 40 points per game. You've got Joe Girard. He's able to be a relatively sharp shooter for this team. And then you've got the 2-3 zone of Syracuse as well. But what we always notice with the 2-3 zone of Syracuse is that in the non-conference portion of the season, it looks really, really terrible. And into conference play as well. And then Syracuse, somehow, someway, they need to win two games in their conference tournament in order to make the NCAA tournament. They only win one. The committee, somehow, someway, winds up putting them in the NCAA tournament. And then somehow, someway, you wind up having Pixie just just sprinkled all over that zone defense and nobody can figure it out. It is absolutely incredible. It happens every single year. We're probably going to see it happen once again this year, but I'm going to take Syracuse to take another loss out here in non-conference play. I've got a little bit of belief in this Arizona State team. They've got talent. The problem is, instead of coaching up and seeing Bobby Hurley is just spending all of his time yelling at the refs. It's just absolutely terrible, but I do think that Jay Heath is going to be able to pick it up. A big reason why Arizona State has been off to a little bit of a rough start this year is because they did wind up having quite a few guys in COVID-19 protocols. They were without four guys in their first two games of the season, and that's significant because one of those games was that loss that they wound up taking the UC Riverside where you wind up seeing J.P. Mormon make the Sports Center top 10 plays as he throws up there a three-quarters court shot and UC Riverside winds up getting the win. A good heartwarming story, but I do think that there is a little bit of value here with Arizona State in this spot. I wound up setting my total relatively online with the Circa opener as well. I set this all at 147. I always try to factor in late game falling when you wind up getting these close games. So I'll be taking a look at Arizona State in this one as well. And what I'll be taking a look at is getting Adam Burke on the show. He is coming up next. And that is right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VEASAN Black Friday offer is here. Right now when you sign up for our $99 mid-season football special, you also receive $20 in credit to the VEASAN store. Get all of our experts, sports betting analysis, insights, and data for the rest of the football season, plus 20 buckaroos to be able to buy VEASAN betting hats, shirts, mugs, just whatever you want with regards to gear, with regards to sports betting. Hurry up, this is a limited time offer. So sign up now for the perfect sports betting holiday gift that is at vsin.com slash subscribe as we're back here on the look at it is myself greg peterson and i'll tell you this probably once more during the show as well be kind to those who are working on black friday i am someone that i wound up working five black fridays at tj maxx i can tell you right now i'm sure that there are some of you guys that can relate as well it could be a hectic time of year and it can be a hectic time of year trying to buy all these gifts and everything like that. So we've got to try to help you make some money and helping us do so as well. That is going to be Adam Burke. He does a terrific job over here at VSIN, does a tremendous job locking it down, taking a look at everything. And Adam, great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, glad to be here, Greg. And I'll echo your sentiments too. Uh, thanks to all the people that are working here on this Thanksgiving holiday. And of course, uh, all of the holidays. You think about first responders, nurses, Everybody that's in doctors, everybody that's involved there uh, that has to work on the holidays and be away from their families. So definitely thanks to all those people. And amen to that, Adam. I'm sure that there might be a few that are listening to us right now. And if you are, glad to be able to keep you guys entertained, give you some information. So it truly is a pleasure. And Adam, it is great that we've got some great Thanksgiving games for this Thursday. And you take a look at the early one, the Bears versus the Lions. This is the most intriguing one because you've got so many storylines here. Sounds like Jared Goff is going to be a go for this game for the Detroit Lions. And we know that there have been calls for 
Matt Nagy to be fired out there when it comes to the Chicago Bears, and it can lead to a various amount of handicapping angles, whether it becomes a situation which you guys wind up playing harder for them, guys wind up throwing it in the tank. You just have no idea. How do you take a look at this? Because we're seeing a mix of the Bears laying between three and two and a half. We're seeing more two and a half pop up, but where do you stand on this one? Yeah, you know, I think it's really interesting. I, I give you credit for calling this game great because I, I don't know <laughs> if that's really really how it's going to play out here. But intriguing. There you go. I think it's a good word for it. Look, I think what's really intriguing actually here is that this line has finally broken through the three and we're seeing the two and a halfs out there in the market, as you mentioned. And look, now all of a sudden you've got Detroit in one of those optimal teaser spots where you could take them up from two and a half to eight and a half, get the three, get the seven with a low total on the board here of 41 and a half, even seeing some 41s pop up out there in the marketplace. And I think this number coming off of three gives people some more options with the game, because if you like the bears, now you can go ahead and take them. If you like the lions, maybe you take them up to eight and a half in a teaser leg, but I don't really like anything side or total in this game. I think the teaser is kind of intriguing, but I actually like DeAndre Swift over 66 and a half rushing yards. I'm a Browns fan. I watched that Browns game last week against the lions. I actually came away pretty impressed with that lions offensive line and the holes that they were able to create for Swift especially against the Browns defense that frankly should have been expecting the run with Tim Boyle out there on the field. So I think DeAndre Swift has a big game in this one. Some people I respect are also on David Montgomery over his rushing yards prop for Chicago. So I, th I think we probably see a lot of running the football in this game. And I think that the running backs are probably what you want to key in on. Yeah, I'm right there with you. When you've got Justin Fields out there for the Bears, let's call it what it is. They have not utilized him to the best of his abilities. So I do think that that's a very good look there. Take a look at the running backs being able to carve up a lot of yards. I know that our good friend Scott Seidenberg, who came on before me, he was looking at the under in this game and... I can't tell you otherwise on this one because I don't think that there's going to be a lot of scoring myself. I think there's going to be a little bit more scoring in the middle game, the Raiders and the Cowboys. You've right now got the Cowboys laying seven and a half in most spots. You're going to find a little bit more even juice, a minus 105. If you are finding a seven and a half rather than a seven cents, this is coming off the opener of seven and you got a total of 51 and a half. I think that this is going to be an intriguing game just because with the Raiders, it's been a case in which, Murphy's Laws really hit them. They wound up having a can John Gruden earlier this year. You've got the Henry Ruggs situation. They've just been dealing with a wide variety of things. Meanwhile, for the Cowboys, they've been a little bit more of a mixed bag the last few weeks. So do you have anything on this game? Yeah, actually, we just put up our best bets over at vsin.com, and those are behind the, the premium paywall there for subscribers. But I'll go ahead and pull the curtain back a little bit and say that the Cowboys are part of a teaser for me here this week, taking them down through that three and seven corridor, the Wong teaser, as we call it here on the show, as it's named for Stanford Wong. Uh, but the Cowboys coming down to one and a half, I think is a pretty good play here. I don't see them losing this game. I think it is a little bit difficult to expect them to win by margin here with Amari Cooper out on the COVID list with CeeDee Lamb trying to clear concussion protocol on a short week. But I think the emotional gas tank for the Raiders is just kind of on empty. And furthermore, they miss John Gruden. They miss John Gruden's offensive genius in the red zone where they've only scored a touchdown on three of their last 11 trips. So maybe the Raiders defense is able to keep this game kind of close. Maybe they cover the seven and a half. But I do think Dallas minus one and a half is a very, very strong teaser leg, along with something like teasing the Broncos up from two and a half to eight and a half in their game against the Chargers, or possibly the game we just talked about, teasing the Lions up to eight and a half and having a little bit of a teaser here on Thanksgiving. And I think that it's so interesting that you bring up the John Gruden, sort of just what he means to this team, because when I took a look at the Raiders in their first game without him, I did think that there was a little bit of value on, on them just because... I don't know what it is. I don't know why, but whenever a star player, whenever you wind up losing a coach list goes on and on, it always feels like there's that, there's that Bill Simmons fallen man theory where everyone winds up stepping up. Everyone just is able to do their best that week. And then you wind up seeing the slow decline there. Do you see that perhaps being for the Raiders as well? Because that's sort of the way that I've been gauging this team. Yeah, I think a little bit. I mean, like I said, I think they really miss the offensive genius of Gruden. I mean, three for 11 in red zone opportunities is not going to get it done. They were one of six in the game against the Giants alone, a game that was absolutely there for the taking that they weren't able to win. They've scored 43 points in their last three games combined. 
maybe they kind of miss the messaging and, and sort of the you know rah-rah nature of a guy like Gruden. But I think ultimately it's just more about the scheming that they really miss with him. They don't really have a great offensive mind on the staff now, and it's definitely shown. And, and that's one of the problems here that you worry about going up against a pretty potent offense like the Cowboys, even one watered down a little bit by injury and COVID, that you know Dallas still has the ability to score points in bunches, and you do worry about Vegas' ability to keep up. I cannot disagree with you there, especially when you wind up having the interim coach be the former, former special teams coordinator as well. So that puts you in a little bit of a tough spot. And it's a little bit of a tough spot for me when it comes to the final game that we've got for this Thanksgiving Thursday as you've got the Buffalo Bills against the New Orleans Saints. Really hard to have a lot of faith in the New Orleans Saints right now because of their quarterback situation. Meanwhile, at the same time, when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, they started out the year super hot. Now they're not even leading in their division because of the way that, that the Patriots have been playing and, well, the lack of winning that the Buffalo Bills have been doing in recent weeks. We've seen this side and total come down drastically. You wind up seeing an opener of 48 on the total, down to 45, and the Bills open up more around a 4.5-point favorite to a 6-6.5-point six favorite. Do you think that these moves are justified just because this is the game out of the three for Thanksgiving? I'm having the toughest time to get a handle on personally. Yeah, I think this is the toughest of the games to bet. And look, I'm sure a lot of people will have the bills in a teaser. It's not the optimal teaser where you're not getting the three and the seven. You're only getting three, four and six here in this one. But the idea of teasing the bills down to virtually a pick them will be very popular with a lot of people out there. I do agree with both of these line moves here. And and this is what I did talk about on Sunday night when I put up an early lines article for week 12 that I thought that the under had some value in this game. Now that the totals come down to 45, which is something of a key number, you talk about 24-21 being a possible final, something like that. I think it's a little bit tricky to take the under because you've missed some value as far as this total goes. If you like the Bills, I don't think we've crossed anything that's too concerning here. But the problem for the Bills is, and their offenses look very disjointed. It's hard for them to win by margin against the Saints defense that's pretty good. At this point in time, if you gave me 20 bucks, I'd put it on the Saints plus the six and a half. But this is probably a game I will stay off of here for Thursday night. Yeah, I can't blame you there. If I have a lean myself, I'd be taking a look at the points with the Saints just because home underdogs in general in the NFL, they prove to be pretty profitable over time. But it's not something that I would necessarily be feeling great about when you wind up getting down to your backup quarterback. We've just seen the Saints in general on offense be a little bit stagnant as well from time to time. All the injuries have certainly racked up for them. And we've got about 45 seconds before we're going to be hitting a break, Adam. Is there anything for Sunday that you're right now looking at with regards to the NFL since we wound up hitting on the three Thanksgiving Day games? Yeah, I am looking at Sunday night football here, the Browns and the Ravens, where I think this total's gotten a little bit low. I know that Cleveland's offense has not set the world on fire over their last few games. I know that Baker Mayfield's hurt as well, but two of those games at home where they had really low offensive outputs came in windy conditions. The conditions look pretty decent as far as the late November goes in Baltimore for this game. Both of these teams run the football effectively. Both of these teams miss a ton of tackles in space. I think we could have some explosive plays in this game. So looking over 45 and a half, over 46 in that range, I know I'm going up against some sharp money with that one. But look, last year, the Ravens scored 85 points in two games against Cleveland, and the Browns had 42 in the second meeting. So I'm looking at the over in that one. I cannot blame you there. And coming up next, we're going to be talking some college football right here on The Look At. That's on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da-da-da-da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 
Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Compete for a mountain of cash with Paramount Plus Thanksgiving Throwdown. Fill up your plate and play free fantasy football to fight for your share of $5,000 at DraftKings.com slash Paramount Plus now to get in on the action. Paramount Plus, live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Terms and conditions along with other eligibility restrictions to apply. See DraftKings.com for details as we are back here on the look at it. It is myself, Greg Peterson, holding it down for Scott Seidenberg, and we've got Adam Burke with me as well. We'll get to him in a second as... We've got to get people informed on the calamity that is happening in Las Vegas. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish have given up 49 second half points and are about to blow a 14 point lead. It is now 71 to 65 with 12 seconds to go. What was looking like a very smooth under, well, it has went over the total and it has went over the total by quite a few. Opening total is 132, closes 130. So if you want to be on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, much like I was, not good. So. We've got that going on. So how about if we pivot away from the hardwood with that? And Adam, we've got some great games that are going to be going down just throughout the entirety of this weekend of college football. Typically, you get a couple games on Friday, and then you wind up getting your main slate on Saturday. But we've got a lot that's going down on Friday. Obviously, we've got a few games on Thursday as well. But what I think everyone is paying attention to is this Michigan versus Ohio State game because it's pretty much a loser-leave-town game when it comes to the college football playoff. And right now you've got Ohio State finding themselves between an 8 to an 8.5-point favor with the total right around a 64.5 to a 65. And I think that this is going to be one of the more truly intriguing games when it comes to the total just because you've got a Michigan team that has really been hanging their hat on defense. Ohio State has been one of the most explosive teams on offense how have you been gauging this game? Because I do think that we are going to get a really good one from Ann Arbor. Well, I'll say this as an Ohio state fan, um, you know, I definitely want the Buckeyes <laughs> to win this game and continue their dominance over Michigan. And you know, look, I mean, the reality is that Ohio state just recruits at such an incredible level, especially relative to everybody else in this conference, that there's a reason why a lot of these games have been very lopsided here of late. And it's because of the speed and the athleticism and the creativity that the Ohio State offense can have, whereas the Wolverines don't really have that luxury. It's kind of a more traditional offensive setting. You know, they're trying to run into the teeth of the Ohio State defense. That doesn't really work, whereas the Buckeyes can spread them out. And of course, this year, they have three NFL wide receivers in Olave, Wilson, and Smith and Jigba that if you take one of them away, the other guy is going to beat you. If you take two of them away, the third guy is going to beat you. So I think it's a very difficult thing for the Wolverines to try and keep up with the Buckeyes here. And the line movement suggests exactly that, where Ohio State has gone up to an eight, eight and a half point favorite. Some places actually opened this game below seven. That was a pretty easy grab for people out there just expecting this line to go up. I'm not going to bet the game. I don't typically bet the game. I just root for Ohio State as a fan. And obviously this year, very significant implications for the Buckeyes to win this one because they'll be a double digit favorite in the Big Ten championship game. 
regardless of their opponent. And when you wind up taking a look at a game like this, because you've got a Michigan team that they're certainly not the most high-powered offense in the world, but they do a tremendous job on defense. And you've got an Ohio State team that, let's call it what it is, they do everything well, but I mean, especially on offense, we've seen it with C.J. Stroud, what he's been able to do. How do you take a look at some of these games? Because I know that when it comes to college basketball for myself, I always say that it's a little bit easier to slow down a fast team rather than to speed up a slow team. But where do you wind up falling on that when it comes to college football? Yeah, you know, I think it's a really good question. I mean, look, the thing about Ohio State this season, though, is that the only team that has stopped them is themselves. You know, they've in the game against Oregon, they essentially had four plus territory turnovers in the game against Penn State. They got into the red zone several times and just couldn't capitalize. That's a game that they should have won by a lot more margin. And if there is a concern about this Buckeyes team, it is that when they've stepped up in class, when they've played better teams, they have had issues in the red zone. They've had to settle for three instead of seven. They've gone forward on fourth down and turned the ball over a few times in the red zone. So that would be the concern here for Ohio State is, you know, they're going to get into the red zone. I mean, there's no question about that. But when they get there, do they capitalize? Do they get seven or do they get three and allow Michigan to hang around? So that's really the key to that game for me. And you know, one thing I do want to mention here really quickly is that you know, a lot of people gravitate towards the underdog in these rivalry games, just expecting, you know, all oh, the underdog is going to be there and, and put forth so much effort and all of that. And look, the reality is it's a rivalry. I mean, both teams are happy to be there. Both teams want to put forth the effort. There are maybe some look ahead spots with conference championship games. Maybe we can touch on one of those here in a couple of minutes. But, you know, I think that gravitating towards the underdog just because it's a rivalry game is a very, very scary frame of mind. How about if we go to another one of those rivalry games? Because we've got a very good one for Thursday. How about the Egg Bowl? Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. Mississippi State is the home team. They opened up a one-point favorite. We've seen a slight move to them. They're now a two-point favorite, so they're still below that key number of three. We have seen a big move on the total as well. Opened up right around 60.5. Now you're finding it in most books at a 64. Seeing a couple of 64.5s pop as well. And I think that this is another intriguing one because with Ole Miss, I feel like their offense has been a little bit more stagnant in recent weeks. You've seen Matt Corral get figured out a little bit more. Meanwhile, for Mississippi State, they've been able to do a good job of being able to bottle up the ground. They themselves have been getting a whole bunch of air yards as well. And I think that this is going to be a great one for this Thanksgiving Thursday. You know, you always have these little wrinkles when it comes to handicapping rivalry week. And one of them in this game is that Matt Corral already said, look, I'm gone. You know, I'm not coming back. And that's something that's always really intriguing. You know, I think the players certainly understand and the players are going to tell their guys, you know what, go to the next level, go to the league, go get paid. But at the same time, you know, you have to wonder, is Matt Corral fully there? Is he fully committed to this game? along with the side angle that Lane Kiffin has kind of been rumored to possibly be the guy to go to Florida if the Gators want to offer him that job. So just seems like a lot of distractions around this Ole Miss program right now, which is possibly the reason why this line's moved up on Mississippi State. I do think that the Bulldogs are a very, very good team. They're certainly a better defense than people give them credit for. And Will Rogers has settled very nicely into this air raid offensive system. So I understand the line move that we're seeing here. The intriguing line move to me is the total because Ole Miss has actually played a lot of unders here this season for as explosive as their offense was expected to be. I know Matt Corral has been hurt, but their defense has been a lot better than anticipated. So seeing this total move up is probably the most telling indicator for me of what kind of game we can expect here. And it looks as though betters out there think Mississippi State will have a lot of offensive success in this game. So you get that kind of working in tandem with the spread going up. Mississippi State has to be the side to me as far as I'm concerned. I don't think I'm going to bet this game, but all of the context clues in the market are telling me that you probably can't take Ole Miss here in this situation. Yeah, I do think that it's going to be a tough take for Ole Miss as well, just because they have been getting figured out a little bit more. You bring up everything that is going on with the program as well. They might be in a whole lot of transition. So I do think that that is something that you want to take a look at. And then obviously we've got other angles as well when it comes to this college football weekend as well, because there's some big playoff implications with the game that we brought up first in Michigan versus Ohio State. But you know that this game means the world to Cincinnati. They're going to be taking on East Carolina. You're right now finding Cincinnati as a two-point or a two-touchdown favorite. Total on this game between 57 and 58. And 
I think that it's going to be interesting to take a look at this game because you can take one or two, one of two approaches. Cincinnati, they need this game like their life depends on it. They're going to come out. They're going to be absolutely terrific. Or the pressure winds up getting to Cincinnati. They're going to be taking on, let's call it what it is, an East Carolina team that's not necessarily on their level, and they wind up laying a little bit of an egg because the pressure gets to them. I don't know where you wind up standing on this one, but I do think that the Bearcats are going to be able to piggyback off of their big week last week and be able to take it to East Carolina. You know, I will say, Greg, that on the whole, I started looking at this game early in the week and I thought, okay, East Carolina makes a lot of sense here. I mean, they are a pretty good offensive team. They're a very well-coached team. And for the reasons that you mentioned, Cincinnati looking ahead to that matchup with Houston next week, looking ahead to their college football playoff possibilities. But then it was announced today that Luke Fickle is staying at Cincinnati. They've been telling the recruits that Luke Fickle is staying, even though there are some very big jobs available out there. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is, that's going to keep this Cincinnati team very much engaged. That's a big-time morale booster for this team, for this program, if Fickle is, in fact, staying. So to me now, it shifts my focus. It shifts my ideology on this game to where I think Cincinnati in the first half is the play because I think what they try to do here is go out, get ahead, build up that big lead. Then they can rest Desmond Ritter in the second half. Then they can take some of their defensive players out in the second half where maybe the back door is open for East Carolina but I think Cincinnati wants to put a stamp on this game early. And I think that if the reports are true about Luke Fickle, that's something that I think is really beneficial for the team going into this game where it could have been a flat spot, look ahead spot, whatever. So I think now at this point, Cincinnati first half is the play. And then maybe you kind of see where things stand. If Ritter comes out for the second half, something like that. I'm in lockstep with you. I'm taking a look at Cincinnati in this spot. I do think that they should be able to win this game and win this game convincingly. They're not as convincing as the great work of Adam Burke, though. So a big thanks, Adam. Does a terrific job with just so many things over here at VSIN. And coming up to start hour number two, we're going to be heading to the NBA right here on the look at on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids like yours, and all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Thank you. 